Welcome to my Dog Ate My Book Report, a podcast where two weirdo 30-somethings take turns introducing each other to a formative book from childhood the other has never read. I'm Ren, and I've actually never been to Mount Katahdin. I'm Brandon, and I didn't know it was pronounced that way until just now. As a special bonus, we have a guest today. It's our episode 20 milestone, so we've dragged our editor Derek to the other side of the microphone so that two Mainers can tag team against the Virginian, and every time... I think of you as a Virginian. I get Hamilton lyrics in my head. But anyway, Derek, what should our listeners know about you? Uh, Well, that's a terrific question that you think that I would have a more prepared answer for. But I do. So that's great. Uh, I'm Derek Valen. I am one of the editors for a dog, my dog and my book report. Uh, I also do a lot of audio editing and sound design for like I talked with someone about this today. It's like over a dozen shows that I just have some form of clicking involved. Uh, the show that you should be checking out is October's Children, uh, which is a, another New England-based show. It's a horror paranormal audio drama, very um, Twin Peaks meets Gravity Falls type deal. So if you like audio dramas that are the best audio dramas, then that's the one you should be listening to. Uh, otherwise, yeah, no, I'm a bug guy who likes making music and helping people make podcasts. So that's me. I've also never been to Malkatadin, but I did know how to spell it correctly because, you know, I'm from did there. Did I spell it wrong? I, or say it. Say it. I'm sorry. I was wondering. I'm like, how do you say? How would you look at that and go, not Mount Katahdin? Katahdin. Did I spell it? I feel so it didn't give me like a little like underlined Mount Katahdin. Thank you, Google. Katahdin. Yeah, I spelled it right. Okay, good. I was about to be like, okay, I haven't been to Mount Katahdin. I spelled it wrong. I am clearly a fake, fake main boy or something. I waffled on it and I, I did land on Katahdin in my head, but figured it was wrong because I think that's how it would be pronounced in Virginia. Because, uh, of course, we have all of our own things that are pronounced uh, very incorrect. Um, you know, names that come from some non-English language and that everybody's kind of butchers now. Like, like um, uh, Buena Vista. Ooh. Yep. I don't like any of that. Ugh. I no, not, don't like any of that. It's still not quite as bad as uh, Versailles, Connecticut. <laughs> Wait. Do they actually? Is that... <laughs> oh, no. I'm not kidding. That is worse. I'm not kidding. I, I called it Versailles once, and a Connecticut native made fun of me. That, that'll teach you to say things correctly. <laughs> I do think I probably didn't pronounce it quite right, because I feel like it really needs a lot more like emphasis on the A-H. If I had any of my main accent anymore, which I think living in Boston for almost 20 years has grilled out of me. but It's okay. Nobody knows what the fuck a Maine accent is outside of Maine. Uh, no, they, we all, everyone just thinks that we sound like we're from Boston or New York or New Jersey. Like nobody knows <laughs> what, no, when we did, we did, uh, we wanted New England, New Hampshire accents for October's children and we fucking couldn't get any of it because everyone was just like, oh yeah, yeah, you mean like, I want a cup of coffee. Down in Boston. And I'm like, no, mm. what? Ooh, is that what people think we sound like? All right, God. My favorite thing is when non-Mainers, like, shit, there's an airplane. 
So my old apartment, Derek is very aware of, has ha- had squirrels. They tore that house down, thank goodness. Uh, this apartment is underneath the Logan Airport flight path. There's always something. Yeah, that's you don't you don't get to be interested in in doing audio and live in a place where you can be quiet doing audio. <laughs> we have a like a two year old upstairs that likes to be awake past like nine thirty, and she's just busy and just <laughs> feet everywhere. And also, I have listened to Baby Shark more times than I want to, which admittedly is not many times, but it's like a daily thing. Yeah. Uh, so one of my favorite things is when I'm listening to audiobooks that take place in Maine and there's, you know, some Hollywood guy trying to figure out how the hell to pronounce a ya, they like yeah, to say, yeah. or a you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very fun. <laughs> That's great. That's actually, we, we went through all of that when we were recording October's Children is we had to stop in our first episode and be like, okay, we're going to talk about how you say some of the places here, like, you know, like Kinduskeg or like Matawam Cake. And also you need to know, yeah, that's what you're looking for. That's where we're going. We're going to, we had every time a main word pops up, the whole production has to go to a halt because <laughs> nobody knows what to do about it. Well, I think that when people decided that they needed to write out that, they they did it a disservice by actually putting the A in front of it because the A is like barely there. It's just kind of like the way you shape your mouth to get to the clipped, yeah. It's, it's a trap. The A is a trap for people who think they can do it, but you can't f***ing do it. And then once you hit that A, we're all going to know you can't do it. Boy, Christmas. I can't wait to talk about this fucking oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I, I was like halfway through and I was like, I should have done like a hash mark thing of how many times he said Christmas. I, I did. I did exactly that thing because like, like it, 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 through the first chapter, I was like, okay, that's a weird thing to say. Uh, we've said it two times in a chapter. Okay, I'm going to get my pen real quick. Yeah, so I have taken a tally of how many times they say Christmas, how many times they start something with boy and then something, and how many times we needed to make a weird, entirely unnecessary, like, indigenous people reference to, in this book. That's in my content so, warnings. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was deeply curious if using Christmas as an exclamation was like a main thing, or if it's just... No! <laughs> never this is the first time i've encountered it i did they do have one or two he they say uh nothing doing like in one of the later chapter that that is a that is a very main thing to say yeah. it just I, I i couldn't get far in any of this book without just imagining luke cage was somewhere nearby right christmas <laughs> and i'm like okay that's fine Lost in a Mountain and Made, a 12-year-old Luke Cage story. <laughs> okay. So, yes, Derek is correct. We are, or we have just finished reading Lost on a Mountain in Maine 
ostensibly by Don Fendler. It's I don't know if it's really like ghost written if the the guy that actually wrote it is right on the front. Um but it's it tells the true and I think this is our first nonfiction book. Brandon, I think you're I correct, wrong? yeah. A uh, story of 12-year-old Don Fendler who gets turned around at the summit of Mount Katahdin. Katahdin. No, that was not right. I can't do it anymore. Uh, in July of 1939, and he goes missing for nine days. It's uh, largely factual without much in the way of too much fluff or meandering, as told to the author Joseph B. Egan in a nice, tidy, concise 98 pages. Shortest thing we've read so far. I read it all yesterday. <laughs> Just in one <laughs> sitting. Uh, it took me a few sittings because I originally took it to the beach. I read two chapters and I was like, this is the not not beachiest book ever that is I've ever tried to bring to a beach. And then I set it down in the sand and I went swimming for a few hours. So it took me a few goes. But yeah. Uh, so the book attempts to go sort of day by day, describing Don's wandering around. Uh, though some days are a little bit more muddled than others as he gets injured, sunburned, bitten by all sorts of bugs while starving. The book is also filled with sometimes delightful footnotes about where he was and such gems as if he had gone that way, he would have found camp that night. Um, this book, despite only being 98 pages, has some content warnings because apparently you can't set something in 1900s Maine without being incredibly disrespectful to natives so yeah uh so um first and foremost there are actively slurs and other disrespectful terminology and mentions of american natives there's a, a small peppering of just ableist language and there's some not particularly graphic but still there uh descriptions of blood and injuries primarily of the feet area those things are deal breakers for you in a book. Just, you know, move move on. Or or just listen to this and don't bother. Like if a if a book being under 90 pages, it's not a book, it's a pamphlet. This book <laughs> is a pamphlet for a different, better <laughs> like nature survival story. Uh, also it's 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 worth mentioning that in these 98 pages are full of full page illustrations. That you can barely see because they're really old photos. It just means it's less. It means it's even less than 94. And you got to take out the forward because we fucking need one and the <laughs> afterward. So, like, it's probably between, like, 60 and 70 pages of actual. Then there's the two pages for the map in the middle of the book. We needed that map. Yeah, there's a really. Well, I kind of like them. I really love maps. But the thing about the map is that it's just, like, not really a map it's just kind of like a bunch of dotted lines with like lost pants here saw trout here which did give me a giggle the map was probably my favorite part to be honest <laughs> heard airplane here where it was on it i just was like wow spoilers i'm like i'm not even at these parts yet i Why know i here? know now i now i know how long you're gonna be lost for what you're gonna see i'm like oh i'm like i could just stop though i got to the map before he found that blanket and it was like, found blanket here. And I was like, well, fine. I guess he finds a blanket. 
If if that map had included how many times he said the word Christmas boy, then I would have stopped reading. I just would have been like, <laughs> done. Yeah. Save myself 20 more minutes. <laughs> so Derek and I being raised in Maine, uh, this book was assigned. I don't even know what grade I'm thinking fourth, but uh, I don't know. I think fourth and like seventh. It, it was assigned a couple of times. So I know that I had to read it a couple of times. Uh, was that was that true for you as well? I feel like this would have been like a third grade was when I really remember reading things. Like I remember we had maybe second grade. Fuck, who was my teachers? Uh, in second grade, we had like Laura Ingalls Wilder Day, <laughs> and I re and I I know nothing about it other than that our teacher was super jazzed about this. I don't, I don't give. A I'm like see episode 19 yeah <laughs> so that was probably where this where this book came in because looking at it like it's very short it's very easy to read I'm like this is definitely something that I would have had then because the books that I remember are like hatchet mm -hmm. and that's literally what I thought this book was was that this was hatchet and I was like, oh, like in my head, these two titles were together. It was Hatchet, comma, Lost in a Mountain in Maine. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. No, two entirely different books of vastly different qualities. Uh, we we might have had an assembly about this. I don't I feel like we probably weren't important enough for Don Fenler to come to our school. But like <laughs> we definitely were not important enough for Don Fenler to come to our school. This book gave like very heavy like dare vibes for me when I was reading it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this would be an assembly. Like, this would be there and fucking guy would come out and he'd be like, I got lost in the mountains and a bear tried to sell me dope and I said no. Hashtag God, kids. Peace. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't have strong feelings of when I, I read it, which is why I just kind of like did a guess. I just, I feel like this book has just always been there. And the only strong memory I had of it was that I was vaguely disappointed that he got found so soon because I wanted more adventure. You wanted Hatchet. You wanted this. Is I, I, yes, I wanted Hatchet. This, see episode one. That's, this is the problem with the problem with the nonfiction bit is because this book could have used a lot of fiction. That's my that's my like how this book could have been better. Embellishment, please. Uh, any. <laughs> or had he made better decisions? I, I I just, I was so baffled by when he just decided to leave the blanket after he'd got gone through so much to get the god blanket, get, to get to that point where he had a blanket and protection against the bugs. And then he just was like, the blanket's bothering me. I'm just going to leave it on the ground. I, I was bothered by that until I read at the end that he was 12 years old. And I was like, never mind. That's like you're fact practically a fetus at that. Like, sure, man. <laughs> the fact that you even made it that far at all. A plus. Good job. But yeah, if you could have been if you could have been more dramatic. He loses his pants. He loses his shoes. Yeah, he's fucking idiot 12 year old. <laughs> Can't even survive. Yeah, Don, Don's real stupid. But at the same time, Brian and Hatchet was also 12. <laughs> I think, right? Maybe. I need in, in, a, in a death match between the two, f***ing Don's getting curb stop, man. That fight's going to be over. 
he actually says in the book several times what a dumb kid he is, I think. Going through some of those spark notes, someone had mentioned something like, uh, I, I don't remember. It was something like, oh, right. It was the sparks where right, he was trying right. to start a fire and he couldn't do it. And he was like, the sparks weren't there. And then someone later was like, Don, that's because you were outside and it's it's not dark so that you can't see the sparks. And he just goes, oh, man, I was a dumb kid. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yeah, I just looked it up. Brian was 13. So we've got Brian versus Don. Uh, nature cage fight of the century. I don't know. Technically, Don might use those uh, those dungarees that were stiff as boards to just like bring the Christmas, man. <laughs> I, I I kept getting mad at him about the jeans too because he kept saying, "Oh, my pants are cold and wet," so I balled them up and stuck them under a log because they were making me mad. I was like, "Hang them up." Did your mother ever show you how to use a clothesline? Nope. No, I think if I were in anything resembling this situation, I just like wouldn't risk taking any of my clothes off, you know, because they're cold and wet. I'd just be like, I'll deal with it because I don't want to not have pants when I'm lost in a forest. He was concerned about like just being in his underwear for a while, which was really funny to me because the uh, my pants were lost. The first concern was not like, oh, no, my pants. It's like, oh, man, now they're going to find me in my underwear and no one's going to take me. No one's going to take a starving 12 year old boy seriously with whitey tighties. Yeah, there was this whole paragraph where he was like, I wonder if I can sneak back into the camp when I find it because I don't have my pants anymore. Like, man. That's that's relatable. That's that's a good that's a good narrative right there. So Brandon, we uh subjected you to the the main children's classic. Yes. Is there a question here? No, it's it's going to be an apology. It's going to be like and we're sorry about that. <laughs> uh, uh yeah, basically. I I I mean, I would apologize if it was more than like 98 pages out of your life. I mostly am just like, huh, it's way more boring than I remembered. This might be the first book that we've read that I just literally had never heard of before. Um, I was trying to think about it because like we talked about how Hatchet was also really common for you to read in school. And that's not true. Where I grew up, we had other things that kind of fit the same mold. But I had at least heard of the book Hatchet. Um, you said you had My Side of the Mountain, right? Yeah. Oh, I think I might have read that one. See, so many mountains. So many references to mountains in these books. How was anyone supposed to get them f***ing yeah. straight? <laughs> but this one I had never heard of. I also feel like at some point I may have conflated this book with, like, blueberries for Sal. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I definitely was like, "Oh, I thought he found blueberries. I thought he 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 found blueberries this whole time. Why am I thinking blueberries so much? Is there some other blueberry book? Yes. I was thinking I'm like, at one point he's gonna take that. He's gonna take tree sap and chew on it. No, that's hatchet. <laughs> that's hatchet again. Okay, well he's gonna find an airplane. No, <laughs> that's hatchet. <laughs> yeah, no fire, no survival, anything. He just wanders around saying Christmas and being silly. Yeah, and intermittently just kind of like napping for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine because he's starving. They say he lost like 18 pounds in the nine days that he was out there because the only food he could find was strawberries. 
He tried to catch fish with his hands, and he failed. Uh, and then, e even at that point, he was like, well, I can't start a fire, and I don't like fish. So <laughs> I was just like, I don't like fish either. If I was starving, I would find a way. I would eat a, I would eat a raw fish. But instead, he just goes and takes a nap because he's hungry. <laughs> I will say as much as I just, like, took four pages of notes ripping this book to fucking shreds about everything that it probably is the most realistic depiction of what getting lost is actually like yeah that's probably true like it's it nothing nothing super dramatic nothing the kid literally like because mount katahdin is really well known for like mist and fog and really low visibility and really steep things. And it's kind of a unique mountain range. And the fact that it's not just like one big hill, it's a, a collection of a lot of stuff. And it really just turns into like all it takes is for you to be out of line of sight and to take one wrong turn. And then you're gone. Like that's 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 the thing. Like they had uh, in the Appalachian Trail like five or ten years ago or something, they had some like experienced person go missing and I think they found her like dead like 200 feet away from the trail at the end because like you get turned around you get lost you don't know where you are you can't find anything your sense of direction goes you're gone like that's that's how it is no dramatic plane crashes or elaborate landslides it's just you took two lefts and you should have taken a right bro you're gone yeah he actually like he says, you know, a bunch of times that he's a dumb kid, but you kind of got to give him credit for the fact that he was vaguely clear-headed enough to be like, okay, I need to follow the water. My Boy Scout training says I need to go down and follow the water. And, you know, he did eventually come out in a larger body of water where people had, like, you know, lake houses and found people and got rescued. Also, where was dad in this whole f***ing thing? Who? Who the fuck goes up Mount Katahdin in the worst visibility imaginable and lets their kids run on ahead? You let your 12-year-old just fucking lead the way? What? I'm just <laughs> blown away. I'm like, he's always like, man, my parents are going to be mad at me. I'm like, I'm going to slap your dad. Why the fuck was someone not like with you that whole time? Wow. Oh, speaking of the dad, I was fairly amused in the in the the sort of like epilogue chapter that was like what was happening while everyone was trying to find him well the dad got injured in the woods trying to find him and was actually like in the hospital when he got found and rescued whoops yep that's that's i mean it's definitely during the time where we don't really care if kids live or not uh apparently much like now uh but anyway yeah i just fucking well, we we lost one up the mountain. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, my parents probably would have let me run up ahead too. Yep, and I would not have survived that mountain. I was I was not a survival kid. I probably wouldn't have either as much as I would have liked to be a survival kid. Yeah, I probably would have just probably would have just fallen over and laid there until I died, but at least I would be fully clothed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, well, we can't really blame him. I kind of wonder, so so this is going to be like a tiny ex experiment here. I was always told 
like, you know, after swimming or after getting wet or whatever, leave your clothes on, your body will dry them quicker than if you take them off. And I wonder if that's because of this book. So, Brandon, did your parents ever say that to you? Not that I recall. But I can't imagine that they would have felt like there was a lot of reason to tell me this thing. Because, like, none of us were really camping people. That's true. I was going to say this would, this would have been like situations where we were camping and stuff. All of my notes on this whole page are just what a bad parent this kid's dad is, except for one that at the bottom says, Henry and the Man sounds like a 70s disco band or a 2010 folk indie group. Yeah, they do keep talking about just Henry and the Man because he, he encountered some dude up on the top of the mountain be- right before he got lost. And then he just leaves Henry with the man. And keeps referring back to Henry and the man. Which, I mean, technically the way that this was, and maybe maybe this is like part of, a, maybe this is dumb, maybe this is not dumb, it's actually dumb. Like a lot of the way the book is written com- is very like child, is infantile for me. Like we make, we are using the same words, like paragraphs apart. I just like have underlined several times. I wonder if the clouds were smoky because we literally say that word like, like five times to describe this and i'm like i get it i get it this is not i am not a writer i know this is not how written things are supposed to be come on so what was your final Uh, count on how many times he said christmas he says christmas uh 16 times in this book it feels like so much more it's a lot it's a lot of it man the last like chapter and a half of this book is just christmas goes into 13th gear uh, he says boy and then a phrase at least 25 times in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. Boy, howdy. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know you could say it in so many, so many ways. Really, just really like that. Really like that phrase. Really just hammering it on it. I'm like, we could, can't use a swear, I guess. We're just going to do that. Well, I mean, if you're 12 and you're in Maine, you definitely swear but not in front of adults. I don't know. What adult is here? He's lost in a mountain in Maine. Well, he's narrating. He's narrating to the author. So you can kind of assume all of those Christmases and boy, whatever, are definitely him swearing to himself in reality. Yeah. I. Yeah. He also, man, the that whole, like, before he gets lost thing, I just have, like, how many times is this kid gonna almost slip on these things i'm like that's what i was expecting i'm like i'm ready for the dramatic fall we're talking about landslides he's just like standing on something it's like don fendler almost dies the spark note edition like well he was clearly wearing terrible shoes for whatever this situation was because they get sliced up immediately i'm like what were your souls made out of kid i i mean apparently that's something that's that's another well-known bit of mount katahdin is that it is very rough on footwear and that it did if people who hike it regularly tend to go through shoes pretty quick if you're not wearing the appropriate stuff i guess i don't know where that bit of knowledge came from but it's in my head another piece of terminology that got uh used a lot in this book that i had to look up because i'd never heard it in a different context was don kept talking about his reefer Oh, yeah. 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 I'm <laughs> just like, no. And I had to look it up. And even looking it up, it took the second page of Google for me to find that it, it you know, was an older term for like uh, like a windbreaker jacket thing. No, I just have been like, no, man, it's weed. 
And you're right. You don't want to get your weed wet, man. Young young 12-year-old Don smoking dope in the woods. Don't get your reefer wet, man. Don't do it. I mean, you need it in that situation. You need it. You, If not, you can just buy some more from a bear. Well, That's... no, he doesn't need it because he can't make fire. <laughs> and he'd probably have just been like, let me see if I just like swallow it and see if it works. That that sounds like sounds like a thing Don Fiddler would do. So ultimately, I do think I wrote down that I think all told, he does get a little bit more like physically messed up than a Hatchet Brian, because Hatchet Brian gets like porcupined and scuffed up and bitten by bugs, but Don loses like his toe or something. But we don't know how. He just looks down and his toe's gone. I'm like, what? He's like, wow, I didn't even feel what? that. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Fair. It, I I would have loved, man. So many, so m- I wish they would have go back. It's like they took notes, right? Like the kid like was like, I'm going to give you my traumatic experience. And some guy just like scribbled it down and then never went back and expanded on any of it. And I just was like, really? We could do, Hatchet would have done three chapters on losing that toe. I'm just saying, like. It's not a competition, but that I we can't be that nonchalant. Who's who's saying a dead? Like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, okay. Except Hatchet would have like gone back in time to like the time before the missing toe, and then shot ahead, and then spent a chapter like regretting having missed the toe, lost the toe, or or whatever. As I sat on day eight, I looked down at my toe and was like, "Missed that toe, man." (laughs) Yeah. Uh. And then, of course, our like when we when we start talking about like indigenous people stuff, boy, what a fucking whiplash that is! Mm, because it's so it's rough, yeah. It it took me a second to read it because the the first time we mentioned it is he's talking about how he's keeping himself warm by doing like a chief dance, and I just like I read through it and then I stopped. I went what? And then I reread it like two more times, and I was like, why does this need to be here? What? Yeah, me me logging what content warnings we needed to have kind of took a journey because at first I was just like, uh, all right, I'm just going to write insensitive language. And then a couple of chapters later, I was like, oh, nope, there's the slur. Okay. And then there's there's more later. They, they keep coming back to it. And I feel like... It, it, <sighs> I mean, it's true of the main experience. There are a lot of people up there who like to just like throw around made up or stereotypical or whatever, like stories about natives. You know, half the towns are named after. So, yeah, it's very true of the main experience that there's just a lot of throwing around insensitive stuff when it comes to natives. The the weirdest bit for me was when we talked about the spirit and then we needed to give a backstory to the spirit about like oh. Pomola. Yeah, they they keep talking about the spirit Pomola. Yep. I I have notated he hated his own race, and then underneath that I wrote, ha, me too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I did find out that uh there's been more than sixty people who died on Mount Katahdin since nineteen thirty three. And the last ones who died were in, like, September, October of 2020. My goodness. So people are still dying up there. It's not that hard to get lost and then be dead. Yeah, it turns out the wilderness uh, 
can be dangerous. Not really much in there. Like when they were talking, when he was talking about like the wildlife stuff on it, I was like, we don't really have anything that you need to be worried about in there other than the black bear. Otherwise, I'm just like, no, you might get moosed to death, but otherwise you you think you're probably okay. Well, and it's easy. It's easy to lose track of the fact that the United States is really huge relative to the number of people who actually live in it. And so, especially if you live in like a more urban or suburban area, it's easy to just kind of feel like there's people all the time everywhere, but there aren't. You can very easily get to a place that's not lived in. Yeah. And, and Maine's a really good example of that because Maine is huge. It's like a huge land chunk. But for the most part, people are centered on like the coast and along the Interstate 95 path. Mount Katahdin is like up there. It's like s- central north of the state up in the area of the state where towns don't even have town names. They're just numbers. Um, yeah, they're just numbers. So. Oh, have you never encountered that before? No, I've never encountered that. Oh yeah. There's a whole bunch of little tiny areas up there where it's just like township 245 township 219. Like there was one on my way back home. I had to, I had to cross through, Going from Bangor all the way to Baileyville, there was like in between Aurora and like Topsom, there was just several places. They're like, sorry, it's they they're not very they're not very like wide, but they're long enough to be any kind of like property. And the more north you go, the more common you are to start seeing places like that. Yeah, I remember I went up to I, don't know, I went up to like Caribou or Presque Isle or something at some point, and I just kept seeing signs for like you know town number i was like wow that's weird that was the first time i'd ever seen that but then there they they get them entirely for post office things and that's pretty much it like a handful of people live there and those people need mail so well if you look at a map of maine i just pulled one up uh it was like i said there's a big like white spider webbing of you know interstate 95 and a bunch of roads that come off of that mount katahdin is like smack in the middle of this green part of the state away from any of those white spider webby roads. It's just big masses of ponds and waters and the top of the Appalachian trail. Bananas. It's a pretty place though. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually just like really surprised. I never went there. I've gone many other places i had a opportunity one time during a family vacation but there was no way i was going to wake up at like four in the morning with a like a water jacket and climb a mountain no way no going into this book i had actually forgotten where it was set and so i went into it already with that like a base level irritation of Ugh, this is that place where those really pretentious people have the bumper stickers that like my car climbed mount whatever and then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's Mount Washington. Your car did not climb yeah. Mount Washington. Your car <laughs> drove up it leisurely. Yeah. No, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I know some people who had those stickers. <laughs> They're all over. They're all Especially, over. Especially, like, because I'm in Massachusetts. And so all of, you know, Massachusetts people are like, oh, I just took, like, a day trip up there. And my car climbed Mount Washington. And I'm like, no, it didn't. 
it's a it's a completely nonsensical thing to be annoyed about but it's just like one of my like little baseline level annoyances with that sort of thing my my these these footnotes in the book are all my baseline annoyances they are <laughs> the i wrote i wrote down uh one of them that i was like this is the stupidest fucking thing i've ever read and it's ju- it took like a third of the page and it was titled a note on shrugging shoulders oh my god a very, yeah a very charismatic remark that throws a flood of light on Don's acceptance of circumstances and conditions. He has a habit, when puzzled, of shrugging his shoulders, pursing his lips, and lifting his hands. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? What the fuck cares? What? You took up a third of the page with this. Oh, my God. Oh. The footnotes <laughs> are varied. Some of them are great, and some of them are, are like that. This is this is definitely like the footnotes and the the photos of this book had to have been missing when I read it. Like, I th- there's no way, right? Well, the photos in this book, and we'll definitely link this in the show note. Show notes are photos that have been photocopied and like photocopied again and possibly again because you can't see anything. They're just smudgy nonsense. Every photo was every photo was one of Bigfoot. He's there somewhere. Although the photo on eight, on page eighty four of poor emaciated twelve year old Don in his tidy whiteies, in his tidy whiteies, in the book immortalized forever, with his weird like burlap sack with a hole in it, that he was walking around with. He didn't want to be seen in his underwear, and now now it's in this book forever. That's the clearest picture in the book. You can see his ribs very clear. Poor guy. It almost makes me feel bad for like ripping this book to pieces. Almost. It's it's a bad book. It's written fucking garbage. But that page, I'm like, oh, well, you did good, kid. But the person who wrote your book really, man. Well, the person who wrote the book wasn't ultimately remembered, really. Um, and Don Fendler survived on this book for the rest of his life. You know, you get lost at twelve, and then you are a author slash public speaker for the rest of your existence which also kind of blows me away because this book sucks like how how is that how is it that meaningful to so many people someone wrote i i've been i've been writing every morning as part of this stupid artist self-help shit and you have to do i've been doing five pages every day and it would take it would take me 20 days to write this book 20 days that's how long it would take someone five pages a day Mother well, You have to research like... the cultural significance of shrugging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, I know. It's a, it's a very... It shows his acceptance of his fate. Shut the f*** up. Get out of my book. What? Who is this guy? Ugh. So, so despite being, like, incredibly main famous, uh, Don Fendler doesn't have a ton of information, like, readily available about him online so i'll just give you all just like a little little glimpse into don fendler um the book itself does not have its own wikipedia page which i think is a first for books that we've read on this but don fendler does have his own wikipedia page so that was interesting um but yeah after this he spent the rest of his life as a public speaker going around to schools 
talking about his experience and basically like warning people about the danger of you know stick with your group on the path <laughs> listen kids don't ever go outside say no to drugs stay indoors I'm like all right you got it don only you can prevent forest fires yeah which man ah, so uh, like uh, the other speaking of that thing there's so much stuff like this dad this kid's dad gave him like so much anxiety that could have helped him be like like oh you 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 are not allowed to have matches on a on this but you are allowed to go running ahead of everyone else i'm like there's so many things that he's like oh i was gonna eat this food and then i remember my dad being like don't you ever do this thing and i'm like man and then i'm like all right you're 12 i'm like okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure yeah the first food type he encounters are blueberries and he's like oh wait but my dad said that blueberries are probably bad so i'm not gonna eat them i'm like God, you're on a mountain in maine they're probably blueberries which do you know in maine of what plant looks like blueberries that will make you sick? Oh, shit. Uh, probably juniper, right? Uh, elderberries. Oh, shit. Elderberries are the ones. Yes. They're they're black, like, lustrous ones, and they're, they are edible, and they are good for you, but they need to be cooked in order to break down some of those toxin things for them. Otherwise, so I was, yeah, I was going through, I was like, like a blueberry, man. Like, we all know what a fucking blueberry looks like. I was like, is there anything? Yes, there's like one. He could have been an elderberry, and then if he ate it, he would be... Super f***ing nauseous all over the place. <laughs> like Brian. He's not just... Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Don Fendler didn't actually die until just a few years ago. He passed away in 2016. Um, and he asked that his ashes be spread on Mount Katahdin. <laughs> I mean, it became his whole life. <laughs> I know. I just... I, yeah... Find. <laughs> uh, you can you can see there's a bunch of videos on YouTube of him talking about his experience, so you can go check those out. Check those out. I'll I'll link them. Uh, you know if you're interested. But he you know he just talked about his experience when he was 12 for the rest of his life. Talking about peaking in high school, am I right? Oh. And an inter. This would have been like junior high. Uh, an interesting, weird little fact that I didn't know. Because uh, this was after, like, long after I left Maine. And uh, say what you will about Governor LePage. Probably bad things. Um, in 2014, Governor LePage declared July 25th Don Fendler Day in Maine. So he has I a holiday. I never knew that. I never knew that. I never got time off for that. It's the 17th anniversary of the day that he was found. Happy belated Don Fendler Day, everyone. Yeah, we're almost <laughs> recording this. Like, oh my gosh, that's right. That was just a few days ago. Time. Wow. We mi- you mi- that you you missed a perfect opportunity. If we would have recorded this earlier, you could have released it on Don Fendler Day. And mm. well, as it is, because we our recording schedule as it as it is right now, this isn't going to get released until like September. So there's no Don Fendler Day. Sorry, September. Don Fendler. <sighs> Uh, my last little like factoid uh, about about this whole thing that I uncovered while Googling, which was the thing that actually made it rather difficult to Google book related stuff, is that there's a movie coming out in a few months. Really? And so you Google Lost on a Mountain in Maine and it's really muddled by here's the trailer, here's production notes, here's this, here's that. Coming out imminently. 
So this actually may, timing wise, this episode may come out very close to when the movie is released. <laughs> I don't know who's in it. And I linked I linked the trailer and I had a good giggle because the trailer just does show boy running around without pants on. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no. I don't know who any of these people are, but there's a there's a there's a whole there's a whole fucking lot of it. Like you needed one kid in this Griffin Wallace Henkel. Don't know who that is, but he comes from an artistic family, says Wikipedia. That's nice. I imagine they're going to dramatize it a little bit. You have to, I feel like. (laughs) No, I no, I want. I just want. I mean, to be fair, you could do you could do a minute a page on this book and make a decent length movie out of it. So. I just hope they don't do what they did to Hatchet, where like even though I feel like Hatchet has enough action and interestingness to make a movie, they instead decided to toss in bear wrestling. So, so just makers of this movie, please don't please don't bear wrestle. I I do want them to use a lot of the same language. I want this kid to say Christmas. All the time. Boy, everything. I, I wrote something in about moose flies because their description was, he lands and zingo. And I was like, <laughs> okay, actually, that's probably accurate. Those things, those things hurt. But like, that's what I want. I want that whole weird dream about frothy milk and the juices on his face. I want that in there. Oh, yeah. There was yeah. so much mention of how much he wanted milk. That was actually where I I had to make the note about ableism because he was like, if you don't like milk, you're, you know, ableist word. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I had not I had a conversation similar to this just a few days ago because one of my best friends admitted to me that sometimes as a snack, if they can't find anything to eat, they'll just pour themselves a nice big glass of milk. And I was like. Ugh. That's 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 fucking sociopathic behavior. And then, like two days later, I read this wet dream about milk frothing, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, wow, okay." And now uh, Derek has said "wet dream" on our podcast, so we have to mark this one as adult. That's good. I can't. I can't wait to. I can't wait to get the editing notes for this, and it's just. You guys being like, okay, you need to edit out like ninety percent of everything you said in this. Uh, no, yeah, I'm fair. gonna That's leave fine. it up yeah. to you. You can you can decide how much of your, uh, of your you you want you want to be released to the world here. Zing, zing. I just hope that they do the movie like really, really true to the source material, which is to say it's mostly without dialogue anyway, probably. Except that occasionally he just exclaims Christmas. <laughs> Under his breath, just exasperate. His pants go into the water. Yeah. Christmas. And, and then and then the next 10 minutes of the movie are just him like wandering around slapping at bugs. And then, you know, he fails to light a fire. Christmas. <laughs> I want him to, I want them to Disney-fy it. He goes into that cabin. He finds the blanket, he pulls it up, there's a mouse that has made it its nest, and then he befriends the mouse, and it's like Mount Katahdin Ratatouille. Oh, yeah. He already has one. It's the chipmunk. Remember? There's a whole thing about, like... Oh, my gosh, that's right. He has a chipmunk friend. The chipmunk, yeah. He already has this whole, it's a nice, like, Rescue Rangers crossover thing. Well, (laughs) nature's just looking out for me. They're all just little guys trying their best, and this chipmunk's like, my house. Yeah, my house. (laughs) 
<sighs> so does anybody else have any strong feelings about this? Um, I usually ask Brandon about the books that I've forced him to read. Would you have enjoyed this if you read it as a kid? But I already know the answer is no. Uh, because we've done enough of these like survivalist books at this point where I know Brandon did not read that sort of book as a kid. Yeah, I, I have to say that like of all of this category of book that we've read, um, I think this is the one I would like the least <laughs> as a kid. Well, this is one that I never went back and reread. This is one that I just like knew was a formative book for me, but I never sought it out. It was always just assigned. Yeah, I think that uh, aside from just kind of wishing there was more of a plot or something in it, which is a feeling I, I have now still. As a kid, I think I would be even more critical of Don's decisions. Because, you know, when when you're 12 or whatever, you're at that age where you think that you know a lot of things, right? You think you've gotten the handle on life and you can make good decisions. And so I think I would have read this book and just been like, I would be so much smarter than this idiot. I would have eaten those elderberries. Eat them. I would have grabbed that piece of knife that he said he found. Yeah, I wouldn't have lost my freaking pants. <laughs> would have tried more stuff to catch a fish when grabbing one doesn't work. I probably would have tried grabbing first, but I wouldn't have been like, well, I guess no fish for me ever. You know, I wouldn't have cho chosen to go this way or that way at some of the points where he had a clear like fork in the road and chose the worst one. Um, so I think I would have been very like frustrated with Don Findler. This did have a lot of really weird like religion put into it, which I mean, I get sure. I guess like you almost like I, I found it interesting that we had to every day make the mention of like, got to do my morning prayers, got to do my evening prayers. I'm going to die, but like got to do my and and all of his prayers were even though. He was on death's door. His prayers were always like, I hope mom and dad don't worry about me. I'm like, dude, you're almost dead. You can take up space, you know? Like, you're allowed, <laughs> you're allowed to make this a little more about you. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I think that that actually, therein lies the why adults think it's so important for kids to read it. Because he stays you know, true to being an obedient child and he stays very religious through the whole thing. So I, I assume parents probably view it as a like aspirational when you're in danger, please make sure that you're still obedient child here. Follow this guidebook. Otherwise you might survive easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little, little did he know that, um, you know, after that first, couple nights his parents just woke up one day and were like we don't actually worry that much about don he's probably okay let's just let's just not worry about it and, and then the search stops and then that's that and he just dies in the woods somewhere uh do we know anything about the guy who wrote the book you know you said he didn't really do much else but like was he a writer or was he some random dude judging judging by how he writes i would not say he's a writer 
I wouldn't expect him to exactly be like an award-winning novelist, but I could see him being like a small-town journalist kind of guy, maybe. A guy with a pen who was there. That's that's what I got. Uh, you know, I'm 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 looking again because it seems like mostly journalism stuff, but not. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot of entries on anything sure. on the internet. Yeah, uh, I figured. I just wanted to ask in case there was something more. You know, you, you look him up and the, the third result is like, would you like census information for Joseph B. Egan's in the United States? It's like, no, I want information about this writer. So I guess it's safe to say that unlike Don, this was not his ticket to anything. Yeah. Which... It's kind of sad almost. But at the same time, Joseph Egan didn't do a whole lot to make Don's story particularly interesting. 84 pages. <laughs> no. A book so small that when you get it, you're like, did I get the right thing? <laughs> is this it? I gotta Google how long this is. Oh yeah, really? yeah. Like when you get a book and you're worried you've accidentally bought the Cliff Notes. Yeah, it showed up in like this thin, thin envelope, and I was like, "What?" But yeah, sorry, I can't tell you that much more about, you know, Joseph B. Egan, other than that, it seemed like he worked for some newspapers and stuff. But also, if you look at the book, like if you really look at the title, you can tell that the the little child in the bottom left corner is definitely like. Like, superimposed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did pay attention to it right now, and I was like, oh, that looks that looks weird as <laughs> Just as... <laughs> like, in the, in the about the author in the book, it just talks about Don Fendler. Like, and the whole book is just as... Cre it's credited to Don Fendler as told to Joseph B. Egan. So it, it's kind of acting as if, like, Joseph B. Egan was just like a, you know, speech-to-text machine. Yeah. <laughs> A dude with a pen. He just was like in the hospital. Oh, oh, I just I was getting my tonsils out. Oh, well, might as well just uh, sit right down and write out this kid's story and then never edit it and send it away immediately. <laughs> Fun fact about the book. Uh, I hmm. read the Kindle version generally. Ooh, did it have more interesting no. words? No, nothing like that. Hmm. But you started talking earlier about the map that you encountered in the middle of the book. The map is not in the middle of the book on the Kindle version. It is, in fact, before any of the text. And if you know how Kindle books work, usually when you open one for the first time, it puts you at the start of like chapter one and just skips over the title page and stuff like that. Even though they are there, you can go back. So I didn't realize there was a map until you started talking about it, and I went looking. Little treat. Little oh. treat for you. Well, that's, yeah, so I didn't that's get spoiled on any of the exciting developments from later in the story. Yay. Anyway, so, um, as is our, our occasional habit, we will try to make up a cute little discussion question about the book. Uh, this book didn't give me a whole ton to work with, so my question is, Don survived for nine days on strawberries and water. 
If you were lost for nine days and only had one type of food, what would you want it to be? Burritos. <laughs> Donnie, you just gone too. You should have gone to the burrito tree, man. Every time, <laughs> burrito tree. That's that's a terrific. That's that's the book that I want to read. Is it's everything is the same, but just substitute out like the the strawberries with a chipotle. <laughs> that's... So it's like lost <laughs> on a mountain in the land of Oz. Yeah. Because they have like those like lunchbox trees. Yeah, like that would be way better than being lost on a mountain in Maine. Well, in my head when I formulated this question, it was more of a like type of food that could be found outside. <laughs> you could find a burrito outside. It wouldn't be there on its own. But like maybe a plane <laughs> dumped a bunch of burritos into the into the forest for some reason. Yeah, you know, and hatch it. That's what he had that's what he had to do, Brian, before the before the plane was going down. You remember that scene where he's like, Oh god, all the Chipotle's weighing us down. Time to just <laughs> yeet that out. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, Derek, since Brandon has established that the question is meaningless, what's your food answer? <laughs> I I will say, as much as you hate bear wrestling in a book, uh, Brandon's book would have 200% more bear wrestling in it because chapter one is, I got all these burritos, and then the rest of the book is, I got to keep all these burritos. Like <laughs> That is true. It would it would have more of a, a rivalry established with the local... <laughs> We would write very different survival stories if we both had to sit down and write something. I mean, that that's the real thing is just this book this book only would take you less than a month to write. Just write it. You you physically can't do a worse job than Joseph B. Egan. So do it. If you're listening to this episode, write write an eighty page book. Just write it. it. Doesn't it doesn't everything everything is better than this book. And then then email it to Dog Ate My Book Dog Book Report Podcast. <laughs> your your title's too long. I do it. I just write it as A D A My in all of my <laughs> notes for it. So I'm not. I don't have to say it. I'm not used to saying the whole thing. But Ren would love to read your books. That's all. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me under that bus. <laughs> oh, okay. So I take it back. Uh, don't Ren does not want to read any. F- that you write no at all. i do want to read things please email us we don't get a lot of feedback and it does feel like we record this podcast and send it out to the void that's podcasting i would i would love to be emailed that would be e- great just email email the manuscript it's just titled lost on yeah. a burrito mountain in maine <laughs> it's, it's near big rock candy mountain one one man's not that difficult thing <laughs> that's good yeah <laughs> If yeah. if I want to answer Ren's question in the um, spirit in which it was posed, spirit of it, uh, in which it was written, I could be fine with strawberries. If not strawberries, blueberries. I probably slightly prefer blueberries. Blackberries. There's a, there's a lot of good berries. I could I could uh, I could uh, f- with some crayfish. That would be. That's what I used to do as a kid, all the time. Fishing, f- fishing, boring. I'm gonna go stand in the stream and flip up rocks and try to catch little fast lobsters. I, I do love crustaceans. I think that if I were in the wilderness on my own, I think that I would not be super adept at properly preparing uh, meat of any kind. 
because I think it would just kind of gross me out a bit. So I think I would prefer to stick with plant products uh, in that situation. But definitely if I was there long enough, for sure would move on to the uh, crayfish. I mean, also, you really requ- you, you require a lot more tools in order to start handling meat for things. So, like, bare minimum with fish or crustaceans, if you make a fire, you could just throw that into the fire and get something edible out of it. You won't have to worry about, like, preparing it in any way, shape, or form. I know that this is not regionally appropriate, but I feel like my my fruit answer would be bananas. I feel like it's, you know, more fibrous (laughs) and might be a little bit more substantial. Run to be found immediately because everyone's like, look at these f***ing banana peels everywhere <laughs> in a line. It's like a, it's like, it's like Mario Kart over here. Yeah. That's perfect. Oh, yeah, That is the best answer. Yeah. I mean, to be the same thing, Brandon is also like, burrito wrappers, there's tinfoil everywhere. Well, what? <laughs> they didn't even finish this one. There's still beans in here. See, I'd, I'd be. Wasteful child. I'd be in trouble in the burrito situation because I would probably keep the foil um, on the premise that I could like, yeah, I could do something with it, right? Like I could I could cobble together some kind of covering uh, maybe for when it's raining, some kind of rudimentary poncho or, or something. So I don't think I would actually leave much of a trail. I think I would just be carrying a bunch of tinfoil around. Brandon would never be found, and 40 years later, another child lost would f- discover an entire town made out of tinfoil. <laughs> like streets, cars, tinfoil, like a real I Am Legends <laughs> kind of situation. All tinfoil. It'd be great, yeah. Tinfoil yeah. and bear skulls, because you would have long since crafted yourself like armor and weaponry out of the tinfoil, and the bears can't stand it. Bears yeah, and I would, I would have made like little ominous sculptures around my territory that were like you know kind of Blair Witch style things made out of tinfoil with like bare bones to just yeah bare bare bones to just add a certain ominous flair to keep people out of my territory remember kids survival is more about the aesthetic than it is the mechanics I'm not sure if I would rather call them (laughs) Bear crows or scare bears? Both are kind of like... you say scare bears, people are going to... Mm. That sounds like a, like a care bear. Right. But it's spooky. Like, look, we, we live in a post-Five Nights at Freddy's world. <laughs> the thing that you do in horror now is take a thing that is for children and make it terrifying. I will never forgive... The people that made that Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Blood and Honey? Like, I've never seen I it. I know I know that it's in the public domain now, but you leave Winnie the Pooh the f*** alone. Uh, Pose Five Nights. I hate how correct <laughs> you are about that. That's, how how dare you? <laughs> uh. Well, this has been our episode 20 <laughs> ridiculous diversion. What uh, what are we reading next, Brandon? Uh, so next time we are taking a, a recess from. Huh, I didn't even mean to. 
We're taking a recess from uh, survival and pioneering and things like that and going back to some good old elementary school comedy with sideways stories from Wayside School by Lewis Sacker. Okay, because I've seen the cover of that book and I was like, Sachar. I did double check. I did double check uh, to make sure because I... I had in my head that it was Sacker, but I was doubting if that memory was based upon something real or if I just thought that it sounded better than pronouncing it with a CH sound, but it is it is Sacker. Well, unless anybody else has any additional things to say about this book, I think that we may have milked it. For, oh, mm. no, milk. I could go over some milk. Uh, it's... No, the no, juices. No. Oh. I, I don't drink plain milk. That, yeah, that's no, it. I don't either. Uh, it, I used to as a kid. Not, not, yeah, not for a really long time. Like, you stop, stop for a second. Stop what you're doing and just think. When was the last time that you drank, like a fucking sociopath, an entire glass of milk? A long time, like twenty years. I feel like it would have oh. been associated with Oreos. Like I think that's the only situation where, even remotely recently, I would have had plain-ish milk. But at that point, you've dunked the Oreos into them so many times; it's just like cookie and cream milk. My father-in-law drinks milk with every meal, and I just mm. don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that information. Mm. I don't. It's so thick and gross and <laughs> oh, This is no. a this is a this is an anti milk podcast, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Not milk No. No. Yeah, that's that's right. Lord. My dog ate my book report is hosted <laughs> and produced by Ren and Brandon. No? Okay. Oh, wait, 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 oh wait, wait, you're right. Like, thank oh, we haven't done company. peaches yet either. <laughs> no, it's Oh, well, we don't usually do peaches on the, the okay, increment of five fair. ones. Also, no peaches. This book gets no peaches. We, it only we, gets... could, we could do peaches, but I figured that it would be a, a low number. And also, I don't know. Derek, have you ever read James and the Giant Peach? Do you have strong feelings about it? I uh, I watched the movie a lot when I was a kid. And I was like, yeah, look at these cool bug people. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I I would think that this book would get zero peaches because Don would go to eat the peaches and then remember something stupid his dad told him about peaches and he wouldn't <laughs> eat the peaches. Then he would just go be hungry someplace else in the woods. Oh, can't eat peaches. My dad doesn't like that. I'm going to pray to God about it later. <laughs> All right. I think that that little peach diversion needs to get shunted to the to the end. Because <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, that's good. That's all right. Sorry, Brandon. I cut you off. Well, you no, we didn't. Go we, you got Thanks, Derek, for being on the show. Yeah, it's great. I don't have to read books anymore because of you guys. It's <laughs> actually pretty cool. Just you like, just live vicariously read. through the yeah. random shit that we've selected. Yeah. I mean, come on. Look, we all do this. We Anytime a video game comes out, you don't play the video game. You just watch somebody else do it. How many movies? Have you just like spark noted through some? This is that equivalent for me. It's I just sit down and for every episode I'm like, ooh, I robot. I don't have opinions on that, but now I do. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Can't wait to see what's next. I'm trying to think. I'm about to dive into like American Girls soon. Never, never, 
Never heard of it. Can't wait to listen to it through you. You don't know about the American Girl dolls or the books and all that nonsense? Nope. I was oh a dumb child. Gosh. All right. Much well. like Dawn, I was a dumb child. <laughs> my Dog Ate My Book Report is hosted and produced by Ren and Brandon and edited by Derek Balin and Daisy McNamara. Am I the red? Is that? You are the red, yeah. Cool. I, <laughs> I inferred with context clues that thing. Uh, Derek can be found most often working on October's Children podcast. There, there will be links for it. You can also check out uh, something that I forget that I'm a part of that I should be better at. Uh, is uh, a weird fiction anthology series called Kill FM that uh, takes several different podcast creators and they all get together and write a 10-minute short our third episode everyone comes out with like a new like overarching theme so the first one is uh like nine shows each with a 10 minute short doing highway on the road to hell uh, episode two is tarot cards on an 80s themed um telethon uh kill fm3 will be like evangelical revival and each show will be writing a segment based on the seven deadly sins and we have i think uh, shows like Station 151, Hello from the Hollow Woods, uh, No Return, Rapture 518, and oh man, I'm trying to remember all of them there. There's a lot of really, really talented people working on this. You should uh, check them out if you like weird fiction, and uh, only if you like weird fiction. It's definitely given me a taste for, for horror podcasts. I love listening to it and driving at night. I'm still yeah, our, probably never going to be over the bridge short story from the first Kill FM. It was really good. Uh, I, I really love the Echoes in Between one that they did with the uh, guitar string. That Oh my god, did. that one's really good too. Oh shit, really good. yeah. yeah. It's really good. Uh, October's Children has a one in their second segment. So it's a terrific stuff. And it's canon to the show, so you can listen to it and be like, oh, I know 10 minutes of secrets now. Ooh. Ooh. And you could email me at octoberchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Subject line, I know 10 minutes of secrets. And I'll, <laughs> I'll appreciate it. Also, I also, also send him your, your 80-page manuscript. Yes, please. <laughs> I would I I would love to. Unlike other people on this show who may, may or may not be supportive of your <laughs> uh, weird personal side project endeavors, I am here for it. That is what I am here for. Okay? Do it. Uh, I'm here to besmirch my good name. It's fine. Uh, the music used in this podcast was licensed by Epidemic Sound. Uh, transcripts were generated often poorly by otter.ai, and our icon image was illustrated by Cindy Lowe. Have Lau. a question or comment for the team? You can find us on our website, which links to all of our socials at dogatemybookreport.blueberry.net. Our social socials are in flux because of billionaires. Um, you so, can find us on X. No, you, oh, I, I hate that. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting rid of that. Uh, or just by emailing us at dogatemybookreport at gmail. We'd be super excited to know what books you loved growing up. Or tolerated, perhaps, because you were assigned it. Yeah, or, you know, if you have books like this, which were like a local thing that everyone got assigned but if you grew up in a different state nobody's ever heard of bonus points if it's if you can beat dawn for shortest book i want lost on a mountain in thanks for listening <laughs>
which is incredibly funny to me because I was looking at this and being like, this book is four pages long. I'm like, how the f*** are we going to make this more than a 10-minute episode? That's, that's, that's the best part about being an audio editor is it's like, hi, I know you. I know what you sound like. When you're sounding good, when you're sounding bad, I know what your breaths sound like. Me? I'm a mystery, though. But like in a fun way, not yeah. It's the most it's the most one-sided intimate relationship that can exist is between a voice actor and an audio editor. Yeah.